the idea here is that if you believe in conspiracy theories, that might be a projection of your own mental states that you see the world as, right? That you would act yourself. So, well, why would they not conspire? I would conspire myself. You know, you see the world in those terms. Well, hey there, it's me, Chance, and you're about to listen to our discussion with psychologist Mikey Biddlestone, who's weeks away from earning his PhD from the University of Kent in the UK. Biddlestone wrote his dissertation on conspiracy theorists and misinformation. Following that, we'll be speaking with Dr. Christopher Wright from the University of Sydney Business School in Australia and author of Climate Change, Capitalism and Corporations, Processes of Creative Self-Destruction. Included will also be Dr. Lori Adkin of the Department of Political Science and Environmental Studies at the University of Alberta in Canada, who's authored several books on climate change and capitalism, such as Regime of Obstruction, How Corporate Power Blocks Energy Democracy. We'll be speaking with both authors on the subject of how free market capitalism gets in the way of addressing global climate change. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and listen to us at iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and eventually on Spotify. If you want to show your appreciation for our work, please do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes and Spotify. And finally, check us out at punk-journalism.com. All right, so Mikey, Mikey Biddlestone. Is it Biddlestone or Biddleston? Uh, Biddlestone is what okay. I say, but you can say either. I think it depends on your accent, especially okay. in the UK, you know. There's right. so many different accents. So, <laughs> so you are you in your last year of your PhD or have you completed your PhD? I'm in my, my second last week of my PhD. Oh, nice. So yeah, I'm, I'm changing job on the 1st of October. Awesome. Yeah, to a, uh, yeah a, jo- a postdoc job, which I'm excited about as well, which is also about misinformation. So, okay, yeah. and that's going to be in the UK <laughs> also? Yes, that's uh, Cambridge Uni, yeah, with uh, oh, wow. uh, Sander van der Linden, which is an awesome name as well. He's a really good researcher on misinformation, All um, right. Yeah, which I can go into as well. Yeah, that's very impressive. Cool. And uh, we should have waited a couple of weeks so then we could have had Dr. Biddlestone on instead. <laughs> true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Although I think they, they make you wait before you like do all the stuff about defending your viva, I think they call it, okay. and that kind of thing. So yeah, I have to wait another three or four months probably before I'm technically a doctor i yeah. see okay <laughs> and so you you did your dissertation on conspiracy theories right yeah uh yeah so i'm currently basically yeah doing the final touches on that so uh my kind of general topic is the social motives behind uh, conspiracy beliefs and intentions um so uh i mean my kind of general focus i'm doing a meta-analysis at the moment which is basically looking at the general kind of social motives so Uh, The idea there is that we have like different levels of self-representation, right? Our self-definition. So I can define myself based on kind of my individual self, which is kind of um, unique and and separate to everyone else. And I can define myself in interpersonal terms. So based on my kind of interpersonal relationships with kind of one, you know, special other or significant other. And then finally, my collective self, which is like based on groups, right? So we're looking at the kind of levels of why at those different levels of self-representation, someone might believe in conspiracy theories. So the idea there is that in the individual sense, uh, I might be concerned to kind of defend or enhance my self-image. So in that way, conspiracy theories can act in a way to kind of make you seem unique compared to others, Mm. which makes you feel special, makes your self-image feel enhanced, essentially. Yeah. Um, Or in an interpersonal sense, you kind of maybe want to meet other like-minded people who believe in conspiracy theories. Or in a collective sense, you kind of want to base this identity uh, on conspiracy theories or to defend your in-group using conspiracy theories. So that's kind of a, a quick summary of the, yeah. Okay. Uh, three so yeah. a couple of those things that you mentioned mm-hmm. kind of conjure up a couple of ideas that I, I've had as far as like my personal observation on conspiracy theorists. You mentioned mm-hmm. about the uniqueness and wanting to feel like 
like you're different and and maybe you know something that other people don't and that's kind of a common thing that i've i've observed from a lot of people who fall prey to this is that there's this this really almost like an arrogance that i'm ahead of the curve i know what's going on i'm gonna enlighten you with with this really mind-blowing information that's going to make your head pop and it's kind of a projection of an ignorant ego mind yeah. i was just going to say it's kind of like a, a fragile ego if you want to say it like that or a threatened ego right you yeah re-establish the fact that you're special or or defend that self-image so yeah I was going to say. well and then and then you said collectively i think that it has become especially with social media it's it's sort of become like a like a a, a major way for for people to connect and to bond over something, over, especially over something that they think is so valuable and important in in discovering and uncovering all these conspiracies. Mm, definitely, it's like a kind of um, spiritual journey or like a moral crusade, right? You see that with the with the QAnon followers, it's right? Kind of yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, trust the plan, you know. Everything is going to change. The whole world is going to have an awakening. It's this very grand narrative. That kind of explains everything and, and excuses every negative thing that you're doing and yeah um yeah definitely it's like the that's the kind of narcissism element to it as well right i'm part of something that's the most special event that's ever happened in history or this most special movement that's ever occurred yeah yeah there's something that's got to be rather freeing about knowing or believing that you're the only one or a member of the only group that's got a license on the truth you know <laughs> definitely and that's, i mean that's that's the appeal right yeah that kind of coveted knowledge that you're but, but you're that's that's kind of that's I, I feel like that's everybody's uh you know modus operandi like christianity feels that way muslims feel that way <clears throat> and all these people feel like they have some kind of corner on the truth and, and what it is and they're trying to make you feel as if they understand that but a lot of these people too um like the people, maybe not the followers of the conspiracy theories, but the people that are pushing the conspiracy theories seem to be just as charismatic as the preacher in the pulpit on Sundays. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I find this aspect so interesting. So like, uh, I mean, I've heard my, my colleague refer to it as like conspiracy entrepreneurs, they call it. Hmm. Uh, but basically, it's just become like classic grifters, right? Yeah, I mean, proselytizing. Especially, you know, because there's they, they cross over and they overlap, but there's kind of a distinction between, you know, pseudoscience where they're pushing... Uh, fake medicines and like conspiracy theories which are about a you know a malevolent secretive group um kind of pulling the strings in society uh or you know you mentioned uh, religion as well and they do tend to come from similar motivations right which is this kind of existential threat in the world like um uh for example with religion uh there's this idea that it kind of comes from this need to make sense of the the existential dread of you know death anxiety mm -hmm. right i have to make sense of why this is why this all means something why am i here uh, but the difference between that and a conspiracy theory is that even though they're both kind of uh, used to provide certainty for the person, uh, with conspiracy theories, they target the specific outgroup. Whereas with religions, it's this kind of general spiritual worldview that it encompasses, right? Um, and I think that just means that people are susceptible to these grifters uh, or these kind of um, famous figures because they are the ones spouting the, the ideas that they already want to hear, right? They already want to confirm the fact right, that they're yeah. unique and that they're special and that this does all make sense and there is something after we die or... You know, there is this grand narrative of conspiracy. Everyone's trying to suppress us or something like that, you know? Um, I think it really depends on the conspiracy theory. I mean, as long as people aren't doing any harm, it's no problem. I mean, I can't really say which ones are true and which ones aren't, but I'm sure some are. So people should just be doing what they're, makes them happy and 
if that's conspiracy theories, more power to you. I agree with that. No <laughs> harm, no foul. But um, harm could easily happen, you know? It's easy. Misinformation is really easy to spread. So what one person thinks is a conspiracy theory, someone else will think is hard, cold fact. Um, so, but still, no harm. Everything's everything's good. So I guess to go along with that, I think that... It, you're right to say that, you know, if it's something that's like, you know, you're just a pastime or a hobby that it's it's not a problem if it's not hurting anybody else. But what a, a lot of times it does snowball into something that is a lot more detrimental. And then we do deal with a lot of disinformation getting spread around on social media and that sort of thing. So do you think that there's a maybe a way to mitigate that or? Honestly, no. <laughs> I mean, especially with the internet and like free speech, it's just always going to happen to mitigate it. I don't know. Like if the government did something about it, there would be like a huge uproar about, yeah, it would be like a huge thing. So it's kind of like, you know, you have your yin and your yang where it's like, whichever like direction you go, there's going to be some downfalls. So I guess like people just have to make decisions that way. Well, and I, I feel like, I feel like QAnon targeted conservative Christians in this country. The, the whole movement is directly, uh, for that group. And I, I guess that's kind of why I make such a direct link between Christianity and, and QAnon and the conspiracy theory thing is because, you know, a lot of the followers of QAnon are conservative Christians that believe that Satan is pulling the strings and, you know, like, all, I don't, I don't, I don't understand all of it, but it's, it's very crazy. So that's why that was my only comparison on that. So, yeah, no, yeah, I think that totally makes sense. I mean, yeah, the, the disinformation side, that's what I guess the, the idea is, you know, there's, there's misinformation, which is just kind of like fake news. But then the disinformation side is that kind of purposeful uh, dissemination of, of false ideas, right, to, to push a narrative or something, which we saw, you know, classically with Trump and a lot of populist movements today. You know, it's the classic kind of like Hitler or Edward Bernays playbook, you know, of just how to use propaganda to, to control a democracy or something, you know, and we, it's kind of uh, developed, unfortunately, over time to be more sophisticated. So what was your research and, and what were your findings? Yeah, so um, so I did uh, a few um, studies which were kind of based on different things, but I think uh, the one that I kind of was most interested in, I think, especially at the beginning of my PhD, uh, was this idea. So uh, there's this concept generally in psychology at the moment. Um, it's called collective narcissism. So there's a lot of research on your kind of in-group identification um, and what we would call kind of this secure conventional in-group identification can be, you know, very good for people. You know, it, it means that we can all band together and we have these positive outcomes by, you know, pushing for maybe political action that's positive for society, that kind of thing. Um, collective narcissism, on the other hand, is this kind of more defensive, insecure version of in-group identification. And the reason why, well, the, the characteristics of it are that uh, the reason why it's insecure is because it's this kind of defensive, this need to defend the in-group image. So in that way, it's linked to conspiracy beliefs because basically what it does is it, it motivates people to seek conspiracy theories in order to uh, accuse other groups of being uh, responsible for the, the shortcomings of your own in-group. So that was the kind of general thing I was very interested in because it really captured this. I mean, there's lots of populism is linked to collective narcissism, right? So it's this kind of image-based identification with your in-group as opposed to this genuine, I feel like these are my comrades, you know? Um, so because of that, there's some research suggesting that this type of identification is that the group is supposed to serve you instead of you serve the group. And uh, therefore we kind of reason that, um, does this mean that 
if they are more likely to believe in conspiracy theories, are they also, these collective narcissists, are they also more likely to be willing to conspire themselves and also against their in-group members, right? So because the group is, is for selfish reasons, they may feel that they have control over their other in-group members. They may see them as a kind of threat because they control the narrative of the group or the identity of the group or the image of the group. So therefore they are willing to conspire against their fellow in-group members. And that is what we found in different contexts. So it was in these workplace teams, we found that people who had this narcissistic identification with their workplace team, they were more likely to be, intend to uh, uh, listen in on other team members' um, uh, uh, phone conversations or in the political co context, they were much more likely to support uh, terrorism on their own soil, uh, to basically conspire with the government uh, and to um, surveil other citizens as well in society. So yeah, basically these populists are also the people who are gonna be willing to conspire themselves as well as using conspiracy theories. I thought that was really interesting well, uh, to find out. That makes a lot of sense when you think about January 6th, absolutely, people who are willing to do terrorism on their own uh, exactly. soil. I was initially gonna argue against that because QAnon's, one of, the, one, of their, uh, one of their sayings is where we go one, we go all, which is a very, um, poorly may poorly written, but uh, <laughs> excuse me, uh, a very team-minded uh, approach. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like one for all, all for one, except written by a third grader. It's true. It's true. No, I accept that point definitely, and that there is, you know, there is an element of genuine identification in collective narcissism. It's not like there's no identification at all. It's just the point is that there, if you kind of uh, measure both of those alongside each other you tend to capture this thing where there's kind of more on one side or the other right and I think with conspiracy theories the idea is that because it's about this image-based thing uh, alongside this maybe genuine identification there's also this concern about defending your in-group image or uh, you know potentially perceiving the world in a kind of general out-group in-group mindset that is about conspiracies right and that tends to be maybe the QA non-explanation is yeah the 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 perception of the world in intergroup terms, right? And therefore everyone's conspiring against each other. Did you use the MPI 40 for that, the narcissistic personality inventory? I didn't personally, but my supervisor did. So she's Alexandra Tuhatska and she uh, started doing research on narcissism, I think in 2012. And she was using the, yeah, the MPI um, okay. a few times, different versions of that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that <clears throat> stuff. It's so interesting. Yeah. yeah it's That's super basically interesting. The, the, the personal uh, part of narcissism, right? So again, the reason why individual narcissism is linked to conspiracy beliefs is for the same reason to defend your personal image to kind of explain why others are, are conspiring against you to make you look bad or uh, to explain your own shortcomings. For sure, they're totally real. It's just, um, you just gotta find the stuff that's real about it. You know, look into it, find the facts about it and just go with your heart too. <laughs> so when you say they're real, like, do you mean all conspiracy theories or which ones do you specifically think are real? Uh, right now, I'm totally thinking like, Corona. <laughs> I totally think it's a big conspiracy, just keeping people inside, not being healthy and stuff like that. So um, just totally weird. It's a flu. <laughs> so why, why do you think that? Um, we've had the flu year for around for years and stuff like that. Now we're having one that's forcing us to stay inside, wear masks and stuff like that. It just doesn't add up to me. Any, any others that you think are really prominent that? I would have to say 9-11 was kind of shady too just a little bit just because like just out of nowhere and stuff like that um whole oil business going on the iraqi war and stuff like that and then that happened just weird stuff <laughs> one thing you brought up 9-11 which is a, a good example um one thing that i've heard the argument for is just to kind of play devil's advocate on that conspiracy is 
wouldn't it be kind of difficult to ensure that everybody involved from the president on down to the uh, laborers who are setting the demolitions would have to stay quiet for the rest of their lives or that is a good point yeah they would have to stay quiet and stuff like that but they most likely signed a contract with the government and stuff like that and if you work with the government and stuff like that you know you got to do what you signed up for kind of like a uh, bob lazier and stuff like that with the whole ufo thing you know um he knows stuff he was told not to say stuff and then when he did start saying stuff they started going after him and stuff like that so if they did have a part of it and stuff like that, I'm sure they were going to keep their mouth shut. And I'm sure there's a lot of whistleblowers that have said, hey, I was a part of it. They're just not being pointed out and stuff like that. Why do you think that they've become more prevalent in, in recent years? Um, I would just say uh, people are getting more aware of it and stuff like that. So the government has to cover it up a little bit more and stuff like that. So people are being more aware of what's going on and stuff like that. Of course, they're going to have to cover up more and stuff like that and try to make people think a little differently what is reminiscent of the the what you described in the groups is that they seem like it seems like there is something to lose and that's where this kind of stems from and they're looking for a somewhere to point the finger somewhere to place blame on their shortcomings as you said and as far as like groups go i think that you could it would be it's really easily to generalize and categorize most conspiracy theorists as straight white men and over time, more recently, we have become a more global culture, you know, uh, especially with the Internet and social media. So and that's something that they that they harp on all the time is globalization. So being that that is the case, it's like it seems that resources are spread around more. So that means that there's less attention and less focus on straight white men as there has there has been historically and more attention placed on more marginalized groups, even if it's a little bit. So when you're re you're used to receiving 95% of the attention as a group, and now you're only receiving 80% of the attention, you're going to think that there's something like plotting against you, or you're losing something to another group, or um, that they're, you know, you are going to be um, brought down to the to the level that they're at. Yeah, and that that would you say that that's accurate? Absolutely, yeah. So, so I think what you're describing that uh, I've seen in a, a paper, the way they described it, is white lash, right? Which is uh, it's kind of the the not very realistic appraisal that you are you are now hard done by in, in society or kind of disadvantaged now, right? It's it's yeah, uh, right. Just because of that relative that relative change, right? So yeah, exactly what you're describing. Um, so kind of on that, yeah, that there's um, this element of of uh, belief in conspiracy theories as well, which is linked to perceived in group victimhood, um, and the idea there is that it kind of Conspiracy theories put you in, a, in your group in a morally superior victim role, where um, you know you 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 were doing the best you could, and what everyone else was doing was uh, conspiring against you. So if you do anything wrong, that's because it's all their fault, right? right it's nothing yeah. to do with your group, it's which again is linked to that kind of narcissistic identification, which is about your image as well. Um, and but on those terms, it's interesting that you brought up that kind of disadvantage element because there is actually a lot of research now confirming that disadvantaged groups in different kind of identity contexts tend to display stronger beliefs in conspiracy theories. So uh, this kind of idea that it's about perceived in-group victimhood does seem to be represented by in absolute terms, which is that if you are genuinely disadvantaged, you are also more likely to believe in conspiracy theories. And this is like a kind of not so surprising thing when you think about how disadvantaged groups are genuinely conspired against in history. They can they can draw on more historical accounts of real conspiracies against them. But at the same time, it does explain how 
these processes work, which is the idea of you trying to make sense of your negative circumstances. And when you're a straight white male who's been in relative terms, you feel like you're, you're the amount that's been given to you uh, in terms of distribution of something, you know, uh, that's going to trigger this idea that, that you are now victimized or that you are now, you, um, yeah, that you're hard done by or disadvantaged. And that triggers this maybe belief in conspiracy theories in order to explain these negative circumstances, whether they're real or not, those, those negative circumstances. And I think that's really interesting, you know. So part of the thing about Trump is that he really exacerbated those feelings, whether they're real or not. You know, right. Yeah, that's what he those, pandered to. Susceptibilities. Well, and, and I think I, that maybe I, a, I, a, a, one more thing I want to throw in the real, real, uh, Chris real quick. I think that sort of a perfect storm to contribute to all of that is the fact that we are in late stage capitalism right now. Yeah. And the fact that what has worked historically and especially for for straight white guys our age who look at their father's generation, their grandfather's generation and everything went a lot smoother overall um, in those generations for those guys compared to now. The fact that late stage capitalism is taking place and it's kind of running its course like we, we've kind of milked free market capitalism for all it's worth at this point. And so that it just seems like that's one more element to contribute to all this victimization hmm. definitely i think i think that's fair yeah that kind of uncertainty around yeah what happens next you know in terms yeah. of what happens when the wealth runs out or the distribution is uncertain you know yeah definitely i think has that response yeah so chris you were gonna I, I just wanted to to bring up i think i think when you talk about conspiracy theories and we were talking about different groups and i i understand that the focus right now in our country with QAnon is the straight white males. Um, but I do believe that there's a lot of conspiracy theorists within the African-American community. Mm. Um, and, and, but rightfully so. They, they have a, a general distrust of the government because you look back on the history of what the government has done to the black community, they have this general distrust. And that bears itself out through the vaccination numbers in our country. A lot of the African-American community is afraid of getting the vaccine, but rightfully so. They're afraid of their their the government that has done so many atrocious things to their community. Uh, so I just wanted to point that out because I think that there's a lot of conspiracy theories, big conspiracy theories within the African American community as well, within other communities. But their conspiracy theories all, um, you know, are always going to rotate around their their social class being the victim. So it doesn't matter what color creed you are uh, there's conspiracy theories for every group of people uh, is is what i have uh, you know have has been my experience with that me personally i i kind of believe in you know it depends on which ones but i kind of uh think that there's always some truth behind conspiracy theories you know i i, I i'm kind of a more of a paranoid type of person so i always look at things and say well how I mean, just from me being a black man and being raised up and me learning all about white history before I learned anything about black history, you know, the propaganda and uh, um, the misinformation that I've gotten. I think conspiracy theories is is kind of out as kind of where it is, where they want you to see how life is, I guess. So you make an interesting point where depending on somebody's background, they're going to have a diversity of what their conspiracy theory might be. So what's an example of something that you might see as conspiratorial? Um, I know a lot in the black community, specifically with everybody talking about COVID right now and uh, the hesitance of people to, to take the vaccine, particularly in you know urban communities. 
comes from the Tuskegee experiments where they injected black men with syphilis just to see what would happen. So in the black community, whereas white people might look at it as like, oh, this, you know, our freedoms and get the vaccine or whatever, black folks are looking at it like, you know, last time you injected us with some shit, it was on some bullshit. And, you know, it fucked us up for a long time. So when you are on the receiving end of shit that a lot of people think are conspiracies, uh, police officers targeting young black folks, um, ed the education system purposely miseducating people of color. Like when you're on the receiving end of that shit, like everything don't seem too far fetched to you. Now, some of the shit, you know, the stuff that came out recently that was more political than conspiracy theory. I think there's conspiracy theories and then there's political conspiracy theories. I think that's when you started to have the roads kind of separate. You know, it's gotten a lot more political and people are starting to interject shit that's just fucking insanely crazy. Right. But, you know, just like they say about stereotypes, stereotypes and conspiracies, I think all have some root in truth. Yeah. It just depends yeah. on how far you take well, it. And that's kind of why I think that they gained some traction is because most conspiracy theories do have a grain of truth to them. And there are a handful of ones that have come true, like you mentioned about the Tuskegee experiment. Uh, what do you see as as maybe problematic with a lot, you know, some of the the modern day conspiracies, especially like with Trump, you know, the election being stolen from him, apparently, and and uh, QAnon movement and that sort of thing. I think the problem is, is that people pay attention to the extreme too much. So then if it's if it's if there's somebody that's so extreme to one way, then people are like, oh, they're crazy. And so they start to to associate with the whole conspiracy theory instead of listening to the people that are somewhat in the middle and have are giving facts and using knowledge and stuff like that compared to the other side that said there's no way there's nothing happened and then when you start because they seem to be a little bit more louder on the extremes it's like you 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 don't you can't take it for what it's worth because he's like okay well this person's giving to me and i can't believe it that way and that's, it doesn't make sense so i think that's what the main problem is so. that's a good point the the more extremes are louder you don't hear the, the silent majority. No, definitely. And yeah, as, as I kind of touched on, yes, yeah, in absolute terms, you tend to see in the, in the literature, if you, if you control for, you know, um, social status in different ways, you know, for example, uh, male versus female, uh, women being kind of like low status in the sense of how they're treated in society um, or, uh, yeah, ethnicity or religious minorities as well. You tend to find in absolute terms that they have stronger endorsement of just conspiracy theories, whether they are relevant to their identity or not. It's just this general endorsement that, uh, the world is a is a, a dangerous and you know conspiratorial place, and it's absolutely true. You know, in in that sense of what their experience has been historically. Um, at the same time, I think it's kind of an important point to make, which is that it's it's not it's it's obviously untrue to say that you know conspiracies don't exist in the world and haven't existed historically. The idea here is that there's a difference between perceiving the world only in conspiratorial or conspiracist terms as opposed to believing one specific conspiracy theory based on the evidence that you've looked at, right? And that's what the literature is starting to uncover is that there's this distinction between, you know, what you could call, I guess, rational suspicion versus this kind of irrational uh, skepticism of everything, you know? Uh, and that distinction is what we kind of call a conspiracy mentality versus just belief in a specific conspiracy theory, you know? Um, yeah. 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 I, I see how some, some are believed, right? I, th I think a perfect example of that, right, especially right now, um, where we're at is unidentified aerial phenomena or UFOs, mm. as they used to be called, because, you know, I, for a long time, you could look at people that believed in 
UFOs and aliens and say, okay, that person has to be off their rocker. They say this, that, that. But now there's some actual evidence from the government that says, we don't know what this is. So there's some intrigue there. So that would be an example of that difference, right? So I'm, I'm, you know, I may start having a, a small belief in what may be considered a conspiracy theory, but I have some evidence to back up why I'm believing the things that I believe. So, and it's yeah, not just yeah. across the board, it's in one particular thing. So I kind of just wanted to use that as an example, just to clarify with what you were saying. Uh, and, so. No, definitely. Yeah. And I think, I think on that, you know, another really good example of that is this belief in the, um, uh, the lab leak theory, right? With COVID-19. And I think the reason why I make this comp comparison is because, you know, there's this overlap between, you know, when, when it, when, the, the government or the media release this new information about something and it is you know they are being more honest by saying we don't actually know what this is but the truth is uh, still that that doesn't mean that it's a ufo right of course we all know that but it just it's really appealing to humans in general to try and fill in the gaps of this this ambiguous information and it's the same with the lab leak theory i think you know that there's this really inter interesting thing i saw where they looked at the dimensions on google searches and in the media about the lab leak theory. And for some weird reason, it just spiked at a certain point. I think it was July this year. It kind of came back into, into the, into the um, uh, media conversation, right? But there was no additional or new evidence that had come to light. It was just that they were starting the conversation again, basically saying, what if the lab leak theory is true? Suddenly, a lot of my mates that I was talking to were saying, hey, you know, they actually found that the lab leak theory might be true. And you look into it, there's no new evidence. It's just that they brought up the conversation again. So I'm not saying that what you're saying wasn't true. I just mean that there's this kind of, it's really hard to, to distinguish between whether it's just a new conversation that makes it feel more true or that, you know, it's, it's releasing this evidence, which is actually hinting more that maybe UFOs are true, are real, you know? It's <laughs> really hard to distinguish those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. At the individual level, what would you say are some common character traits that we see in conspiracy theorists? So, I mean, I see a lot of, paranoia and generally people who lean conservative or right but but what what else besides that at the individual level mm -hmm. so uh yeah so on the individual level i guess the four kind of big ones in the literature that we look at are individual narcissism which we've discussed uh the need for uniqueness which we've also discussed uh those things can also be linked you know a narcissistic person might be more motivated to establish their uniqueness from others so that's kind of like falls into the same category as well um and uh the third one is is reactance which is this idea that uh when you you're kind of sensitive to um the idea that uh there is this threat to your personal freedom or your personal autonomy mm. uh, and but the reactance part is that as a result of that you respond by having this kind of psych psychological reactivity you know you push back against this so we see this a lot with the uh, anti-masker campaigns right where right, they're yeah. kind of saying protect our freedoms we want our freedoms back you know um and a lot of the debate is around you know with the people who don't agree with that are basically saying like really you think this is a freedom being taken away it's like a piece of cloth on your face you know and it's it's what it represents to them you know is, is this representation of their their personal freedom and autonomy and it's kind of a sensitivity to that um, which of course is related to conspiracy theories a lot, I believe, sorry, in conspiracy theories. And then the final one is, is low self-esteem, which actually has inconsistent um, links with cons uh, conspiracy beliefs. So the idea here is that um, you, your self-image is kind of threatened 
So in order to kind of enhance your self-image again, you do things like believe in conspiracy theory to um, make yourself feel unique or to make yourself feel like you have special knowledge. Uh, the reason why this is actually kind of inconsistently linked is because uh, the, the part of self-esteem that is more strongly linked to conspiracy beliefs is defensive self-esteem as opposed to low self-esteem. And defensive self-esteem is what individual narcissists tend to display, right? So instead of this feeling that you're, you're, you have low self-esteem and therefore you want to enhance it, it's more about the fact that you want to defend your self-image by endorsing conspiracy theories to explain away your vulnerabilities or your shortcomings. I see. Um, so I know that's a bit wordy, but it's, it's quite hard to explain in there without the kind of statistical terms, like we call it controlling for the variance. And so this is all through kind of low self-esteem. Through the research oh, yeah. that you did through for your dissertation, right? This is, These are your findings. Yes, this is so basically uh, on, on the meta-analysis that I've done, yeah. So um, distinguishing between those levels of your self-representation, we collected all of the data and we found that the four kind of biggest ones were low self-esteem, individual narcissism, uh, reactance, and the need for uniqueness, where they're kind of big ones for your individual okay. self, yeah. I'm just talking to people about what their thoughts are in conspiracy theories, especially how prevalent they've been the last 10 years or so. Okay, they do exist, uh, conspiracy theories. Um, I don't know. Like, what do you want? Like, what is your, do you think that there, there's truth to them? Are there ones in particular that you buy into? Is it problematic? I'm going to be the worst person for this. Um, I don't know. Like, there's some, there's obviously nothing's, nothing's real. Like, why do we need air? Um, but like, I, I believe in aliens. Um, I believe that God is an alien. Um, so like, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, just bring it all on. I don't know. And like science stuff, I I don't know. I just smoke a lot of weed and watch YouTube. <laughs> so what about science? Are you just saying that you... Like extraterrestrial life, uh, that we've been lied to about the existence of aliens, uh, that religion's a lie. Um, yeah, there's different like realities that we can like phase in and out of at different times. Um yeah, yeah, that some drugs are a gateway to these other dimensions. Um, that's about kind of, I don't know, I don't I don't care for the political ones, but fuck me up with some aliens. So, like, do you, why do you think that they're being suppressed if, if, if that is the case? It would just cause panic. Like, you tell people that something out there can kill us all and you lose society. Wait, are you talking about like the pandemic or still aliens? Aliens. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Pandemic. Take it or leave it. Um, a while back, I was doing some research into this topic and I came across some uh, findings from psychologist Eva March and Jordan Springer. Are you familiar with their research? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I see what they're in our meta analysis, I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it says that their research indicates odd beliefs slash magical thinking. I've never been able to say this word, Machiavellianism. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, Machiavellianism. Machiavellianism, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah. The primary psychopathy were significant po positive predictors in, on, of the belief in conspiracy theories. Specifically, these results indicate that the individual more likely to believe conspiracy theories may have unusual patterns of thinking and cognitions, be strategic and manipulative, and display, and display interpersonal and effective deficits 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 mm -hmm. 
<laughs> yeah. Whichever you prefer. Right. No, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, um, uh, so yeah, I guess that's the dark triad, right? So there's psychopathy, narcissism, and Machiavellianism. I think is that. Yeah. So, so right. there's there's been some research that I've seen as well. Yep, yep. Linking those things to conspiracy beliefs. The really interesting one with Machiavellianism actually is uh, there's a bit of research basically suggesting that people who believe, as I kind of said before in my research, but in in the kind of group sense. In an individual sense, if you are Machiavellian yourself, so you're willing to screw other people over, you see others as kind of a stepping stone in order to get what you want. Okay. Uh, right. You are, of course, willing to conspire against others and believe in conspiracy theories. The idea here is that if you believe in conspiracy theories, that might be a projection of your own mental states that you see the world as, right? That you would act yourself. So, well, why would they not conspire? I would conspire myself. You know, you see the world in those terms. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the really interesting one with Machiavellianism is that, you know, kind of working backwards is that if someone believes in a conspiracy theory they might actually be machiavellian themselves uh so therefore you know watch out for them is what i would say of course don't necessarily i don't know exclude them uh i don't know it depends on what kind of person they are uh but i would just you know uh urge caution around what their intentions are or how they see the world okay. definitely right. so they're they're just projecting themselves onto other people is what is basically what a conspiracy theorist is doing, right? Is they're saying, well, I would do this to them, so they must be plotting to do this to me. Good so they're point, just projecting Chris. their own insecurities and self-esteem issues, like you were saying. They're projecting that onto other people and then taking that as a direct threat to their self-esteem, right? So exactly. that could come from both. Reason, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah, yeah. That's kind of one uh, idea that in the literature, you know, of, of a kind of one of the many explanations, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good way to put that, Chris. So another, uh, just kind of spending time that I have around conspiracy theorists, self-proclaimed conspiracy theorists, like I said, I do notice a lot of paranoia and I notice like there's a certain sort of ignorance amongst people who don't seem too bright or academic. It's they're actually some of the least intelligent people I know, uh, but they they do feel ahead of the curve by researching and making themselves privy to information that no one else seems to know. So there's some, some really interesting research on this where so there's these kind of general findings where they do find that, you know, quite consistently that conspiracy beliefs are linked to lower education levels. Right. So like you're saying, I guess not necessarily lower intelligence, but uh, lower um, education where they may not have learned the skills to kind of think critically or, um, you know, that might be giving too much credence to the education system. But it seems like there is a link there. Having said that, there's this really interesting line of reasoning, which is that it's not about your kind of cognitive abilities it's about the way that you think so um the way that they showed this was that um they have this um measure called the rational experiential inventory which basically measures your type of thinking style and it's two main sides which is that you are you rely on intuitive thinking which is that you kind of rely on gut feelings and things are true because they feel like they're true as opposed to you kind of look at the evidence to support it versus analytical or rational thinking, which is where you kind of actively seek out uh, um, conflicting information to see whether this, this belief is true or not. Uh, so you're kind of engaging your cognitive capacities in order to uh, construct your beliefs, right? Those are the two sides. What they found was if you are very intelligent, so you have high cognitive abilities, but you rely on intuitive thinking in your gut feelings, then you are more likely to believe in conspiracy theories, even though you're an intelligent person. Because what you will do is you'll use this gut feeling to basically only ever uh, kind of bias select this information that, that supports what you already want to believe.
But if you are um, intelligent and you use engage in analytical thinking, you're less likely to believe in conspiracy theories for the opposite reason. You're you're seeking out you know conflicting information using your cognitive abilities for good is what you know the way a, a biased person who doesn't believe in conspiracy theories would say. You know, <laughs> which I love as a kind of idea. So it's it's cognitive dissonance, correct? Just this, yeah. this, this. So you you lack the ability to reject new to reject you lack the ability to accept new information that goes against what you reject or what you don't believe correct yeah exactly yeah i think i think maybe cognitive dissonance is a good way to put it but i think maybe a more appropriate term would be confirmation bias right you're seeking out yeah, information right. that you already believe but what you're doing in this case is you're using your high cognitive abilities sometimes to actually do that which you know uh, even though you're an yeah. intelligent person you believe in conspiracy theories yeah yeah conspiracy theories are are made so that they feel true they're very very close to the truth um take the one about the coronavirus coming from a lab in china mm -hmm. we don't have any proof of that you know it doesn't mean it's not true it doesn't mean it is true it just means we don't have any any proof of it however going back to my argument with my coworker, you know um it's very convenient he kept using the term occam's razor you know because uh the simplest thing if all the things are equal the simplest thing is is usually the true one um that's that was his justification for believing in it and he's a smart guy but <clears throat> he was totally going over the fact that there's no proof totally just skipping that whole thing even though the paper that he was referencing had that in his first three paragraphs saying there's no proof of this uh -huh. he just yeah. went right over his head he just skipped that entirely and was like, yep, no, this totally is the truth, and this is totally factual. And he spent the entire 12-hour shift reading this 30-page paper over and over again. It was crazy. Wow, and completely missed the, the preface point, which is really important, which well, is there's no proof. Yeah, well, and then he she showed it to me, and, you know, I saw in the first, you know, I saw that in the first, like, two paragraphs, it says, there's no proof for this. And I said, why am I still, why am I going to continue reading this, Christian? There's... <laughs> It well, says right here, there's no proof. Doesn't that kind of something that I've heard that seems to be consistent with a lot of conspiracy theorists is that it's that they don't like the idea that there may be the bad things may happen like coronavirus. And it's unfortunate, but it's easier to attribute these bad things to some sort of an entity, even if it's a super powerful organization like the Illuminati that gives a person a sense of control in an otherwise seemingly uncontrollable situation right and they exactly. they don't and that's it's also an example of not really comprehending truly complex ideas so it's easier to just boil something down to a hyper sensationalized story like this. well like uh, a perfect example is uh, after katrina and pastors saying that it was because of homosexuals so <laughs> that's that's basically what you're talking about chance Right, definitely, yeah, definitely that intentionality behind it. That's a really good comparison, Chris. Yeah, in terms of that link again with religion and conspiracy theories, right? Is you know, there's lots of these links, and uh, one of the measures that they call they they uh they use the name uh intentionality by bias in the literature, right? Which is the the assumption that these chance events have some sort of intention behind them, some sort of malevolent force, or some sort of uh, yeah, in, intentionality, right? Um, and yeah. The way you put that chance is like really perfect because it's you encompass a lot of the different components of why uh, how we use our cognitive capacities to basically jump on what we think is this certain uh, answer to everything 
uh, when really what we're doing is we're dumbing it all down, this complex thing that we don't actually fully understand, right? Like I have no experience in virology yet. You know, I'm going to read this post on Facebook or something and believe that now, yeah, I have enough understanding and education to actually interpret this information and right now you're an research. research yeah exactly, yeah exactly yeah and that's again you know no intellectual humility there's no like acceptance that maybe there's someone that knows this more than right me. there I is do. a lack a real lack of humility in that and it seems <laughs> there's a lot of uh disregard for academia and and scholasticism in general like i i have brought up to to somebody before like well you know i get my information from people who have been studying this and researching it their whole lives and he kind of just scoffed at it like like you all academic professor types are just in on it <laughs> um so i guess yeah. alex jones is the is the right right <laughs> way to yeah. go there that's uh, a perfect example so and also too but like doesn't it okay so let me go back a little bit so i've worked with a guy for about a decade who he's the person I keep referencing. He's a, a huge conspiracy theorist. And as long as I know, have known him, he always has been. And at first, and he hopefully doesn't listen to this podcast. I hope he does. Yeah. I think it'd be great. So anyway, like at first I had never come across this before. I'd never met anybody who was into this. I'd never really heard conspiracy theories except for like, you know, the moon landing and that sort of thing. So meeting this guy, like I was, I was totally cool with humoring it and it actually seemed interesting. I was like, Oh, tell me more about that. And, and what's this, what's the galactic federation of light and the reptilians and chemtrails and all this, but it's like, every, don't go down that rabbit hole. Don't do it. <laughs> every week he would have like a new thing and then it would just kind of dissipate and disappear and go away. And I, I guess I just, I wanted to bring up to him, like why, eventually it just became like the the boy who cried wolf right like the more i heard about these things and none of them came true it was like okay well at what point do you just kind of throw in the towel with it and what i always noticed was that there there were so many variables that would had to have been in place perfectly and aligned that if they didn't it wouldn't like let's say like uh 9 and that being an inside job like yeah. You would have to be sure that every person from the top, like the president on down to like the people who the laborers who set the demolitions were never going to say a word. And that in itself is pretty, pretty hard to believe. So it's like critical thinking just really goes out the window. And I think that when you start to apply critical thinking to these things, they just fall flat on their on their face. Definitely. And I think what you literally just displayed there is that distinction between someone who looks for the conflicting evidence, which you found uh, by saying that how how is it? It's, it's, it's not necessarily directly conflicting, but it's just one really big criticism of a lot of conspiracy theories, these grand narratives, mm -hmm. which is that, OK, basically all of these people are in on it. And you, once you start describing all of the levels of institutions and people that have to keep this a secret because they're the ones who have to know about it, it's just it's such a, a, a kind of um, Achilles heel of a lot of conspiracy theories that conspiracy believers will often just completely ignore or deflect when you talk to them about it, you know, and that's again, you know, mm -hmm. I, I know I bring up the narcissism thing, but really, I think it's important for people to know that sometimes you are just arguing with someone who wants to argue for the sake of arguing or they, they, they thrive on that conflict, you know, or this kind of ability to feel like they are engaging in, a, in an intellectual discussion. 
when really what you're trying to do is is get to the bottom of it and get the truth but they're not doing that sometimes yeah i think it's important for people's mental health to be able to make that distinction you know because sometimes you're wasting your time and it can be completely mentally exhausting and emotionally exhausting and it can really harm relationships as well uh i know it's kind of a side point but yeah that's yeah basically what you do do look for that conflicting evidence yeah I think everybody has a story like that. My, my story is from my ex-wife. Her parents believed in the Iraqi dinar thing. I don't know if you guys remember ever hearing about this. They were buying tons and tons of Iraqi dinar, the, the money, because they said that they were going to revalue their dollar and chop off two zeros and everybody was going to become millionaires that bought it. And and like like they believed it. I think they still believe in it. They still have it. It's been like it's been almost two decades. Well, that's like, kind of like the it, gold thing now. And like, and, and, I, I and I'm some just dinar like in Iraq, just because yeah. I thought it was cool looking. Yeah, but the they, they believe that. On it. And I remember my ex-wife like spent like a, a chunk of change one time buying some of it, and I like flipped out. And I was like, "You just wasted money because you could buy the money." but you had no place to go sell it back to anybody. Nobody would buy it, right? But you can buy it from these agents. And I, like, I just don't understand that. And like, the longer it went on, the more I would just look at her and be like, so when is that gonna happen? Oh, are you guys, when is that happening? Like, well, I and, mean, and I just sat back and I was like, I was so frustrated that they couldn't see through the BS of it. Right. Like, where, what precedent do you have that this is gonna happen? Like, who are you believing? And clearly these people that are, selling you this dinar or just making money because that stuff was worthless over there and they're turning around and selling it to these americans that think that their the money's going to revalue and it was typically conservative christians from the midwest that were buying into this whole thing and, and so like i hate to just generalize and do that but at, at some point there is a huge disconnect between education and critical thinking being applied and it doesn't matter if you're intelligent or not if you have a high intellect if you are just above and 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 you're practicing that confirmation bias in your life then there's no way that anybody's going to get through to you with rational thinking well i mean one one really good grip one example of that is like just think for a moment what's the practical belief for people to lie about the earth being round I mean, like as far as flat earthers go, like what what's the purpose behind lying about that? And then to me, that that's basically all I have to think about to realize that it's 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 kind of bullshit, you know. That that was a really good example of how it also shows how much it's about your beliefs. Right. Because I think part of the flat earth one, I might be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure a lot of them are religious. And I think it comes from this idea that that there's everything is changing way too fast and, you know, uh, they can't keep up with it. And. Therefore, you know, there, there must be a reason why they're trying to um, uh, suppress uh, the belief in, in God, right? Because the idea is yeah. that, they're, that they're, they're lying about the globe is that it, they're able to lie about the fact that there is no God. When the truth is there is God, we live on a flat earth and it's all God's stage kind of thing, right? I think it's yeah. part of it. Yeah, they also don't believe in dinosaurs and they believe that the earth is only 6,000 years old. So that's yeah, so those are two more of their beliefs. Yeah. Round earthers are making money all over the globe. so something else i was going to point out about the the guy that i've been using as an example um not only over the years has he become more and more steeped in the in 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 the conspiracies but uh, a couple years back i took off for a year to go on another assignment and i didn't see these people for for that whole year and when i came back he was super super born again christian and it wasn't so much that I feel like he had found God as as much as it was just 
this was a new layer on top of all of his conspiracy theories. This was like a new, a new outlet for him to channel his conspiracies into. And, and then ever since then, like he's always talking about like the apocalypse and, uh, who the four horsemen are. And, and they, he, he's just connecting all these dots as to, to what's going to, you know, be the catalyst for the end of days and that sort of thing. And, it just it the way that it all just synchronized was really interesting that he goes from being a conspiracy theorist to like a doomsday um hyper religious person that sounds really like he's been victimized by like disinformation online right i mean those are all the the common tropes of like being caught i don't know in the cycle or the rabbit hole um when you are a, a someone who i don't know holds like conservative beliefs or an ideology i feel like those people have really been targeted uh, in the past, you know, I don't know, five or six years. Yeah, uh, yeah, in terms absolutely. Of, like Western democratic elections and stuff to garner support, right? Because you, know, you can create a narrative however you want. Again, you know, I mentioned earlier that you can, I don't know, you can, you can use conspiracy theories or, or religious beliefs to kind of target an outgroup that are uh, responsible for the fact that as a white person, your life is way worse, you know, for example, the way you feel. I uh, create that narrative. I, I, I mean, I used to be that person. I like, I used to buy into certain things. Like, I, I remember in 2012, I, I actually believed like everything like linked up with the Mayan calendar, and uh, Obama was getting reelected. And Dinesh D'Souza released this movie, documentary movie thing, and he released it right before the 2012 elections when uh, Obama won his second term. And I remember watching that movie, and the movie was basically how if Obama gets reelected, he's going to usher in the end of the world. And like, and so you're sitting here and you're watching this, right. And I'm, and I'm kind of buying into it a little bit because I'm a Christian at the time. And like, there's all this evidence in the Bible that like, this is what it means. And this is what it says. And you can twist those words to make them say whatever you want them to say, but I totally bought into it. And I was totally bought into this idea that the world was going to end if he got reelected. And, and, and here I am now completely opposite of that. And, and that's why, I, you know, I rebel against conservative Christians so much because I used to be one and I understand that thinking. And it's just, how do you get somebody to buy in that, buy into that? And especially in, an information age when you can literally go out and find the truth about anything with a, a few simple keystrokes on your keyboard. I, I just don't understand how it can also be hijacked as this weapon to dumb down the masses. So. Yeah. Have you heard about the new really conspiracy theory that's going around? I didn't realize that. Now what's that? Which the one, one that says that many. the earth actually did end in 2012. Yeah. Yeah, they're saying it actually did end in 2012. Uh and we're living in some type of matrix simulation right now. <laughs> well, Which, I'm un- I mean I'm un- I'm unhappy yeah. with my, my matrix visit. I would like to <laughs> could check out now. So <laughs> yeah, this could be way better. Right, right. Glitch so, me, glitch me upwards, please. What's kind of interesting about what we're pointing out is that all of these conspiracy theory narratives, uh, they kind of revolve around a conservative narrative all the time. And it's like, why, why is that the case? Like, what about you know things that you can point out that truly are conspiracies? What about like the oil industry uh, paying millions of dollars to avoid? Um, certain environmental barriers. Uh, what about 
marginalized groups and and why they're marginalized redlining i mean that's that's a conspiracy theory but and these are all tangible things that gerrymandering you, yeah yeah but like it it always seems to come back to revolving around the victimization of a straight white guy yeah yeah, yeah. so i agree with that thank you so part of uh, my thesis actually one of the studies kind of made this distinction between pro-establishment versus anti-establishment conspiracy theories so recently there's been this push to basically what they call it is stop treating conspiracy theories as a unitary construct or conspiracy beliefs right it's there's ones that challenge uh, authority or the establishment or ones that defend the established the establishment and target you know minority or disadvantaged groups what we've found is that um both are kind of appealing to conservatives but it's the pro-establishment ones the ones that defend authority that are more appealing to conservatives so what we know in general aside from this is that conservative ideology in political psychology has been shown to be underpinned by these uh these tendencies to have a need for kind of order and structure in the world and to be susceptible to these kind of anxieties because of that right that, that it's a negative thing that society is changing or it's a negative thing that there's progression happening or something right what this can do is make you kind of reach out and compensate for this by trying to stop groups from from gaining progression or you know from from um uh, stop groups from getting out of the disadvantaged position they're in that being said the the anti-establishment conspiracy theories the one that chat the ones that challenge authority do actually tend to be kind of appealing to left-wing uh people especially if they are extremist left-wingers um and the idea here is that you know actually anti-semitic conspiracy theories do actually appeal to extremist left-wingers sometimes because the idea there is that they kind of see uh the kind of jewish world domination conspiracy as representing this powerful group um and uh the thing about being left-wing is that you want to uh, help disadvantaged groups. The idea being there that there's a dominant group su uh, suppressing everyone in mm. society, right, or the world. Um, so, in that sense, like I think that distinction really helps to understand the difference between whether they're only appealing to conservatives or appealing to kind of extremists on both sides. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that that kind of defending authority, I think, is the one that really captures conservative ones. Also, finally, on that, um, actually, Trump supporters uh, tend to believe more anti-establishment conspiracy beliefs, even though they're conservatives, which is kind of the opposite of what you'd expect. The idea there, again, is that it's this kind of narrative that Trump wove uh, in his campaign, which was that he's going to drain the swamp, right, in order mm, to take right. out all of these well-known establishment figures. And that encompasses this anti-establishment conspiracy theory narrative, which I think means that, you know, if you're a conservative in general, you're less likely to believe in anti-establishment conspiracy theories, unless you are kind of a modern populist right-wing believer, in which case you kind of want to drain the swamp or you see the establishment as this negative thing, because you're also a populist as well as a conservative. Um, yeah. I, I would, That's really I interesting would... when you think that Trump was the establishment at the time that they were believing in all of these anti-establishment theories that's like that's so convoluted that's that's what i was that's what i was going to say is you know are they really anti-establishment or did they just simply take and make trump the establishment you know what i mean because i i've never seen something so crazy as having trump flags as having a, a a stupid id card that identifies you as a trump supporter like like it's it's madness and it's selling out to like a dictatorship and it's to me, all they did was they're they're not saying the government is the establishment anymore. They're saying that Trump is the establishment and whatever Trump says goes. And it like it's mind boggling to me to these people that scream like don't tread on me and don't take my rights. They're willing to just give all of their freedom to one man and, and tell him to do whatever. Yeah, it's crazy.
daddy issues it seems like right that's not research based by the way that's just <laughs> so yeah it seems legit to me so uh when, speaking of history repeating itself we all know kind of like a vague backstory of adolf hitler and how he tried to start out as an artist and he failed at that he had already failed as an artist he wasn't doing anything else very constructive so he would spend a lot of time in these cafes reading literature from from uh community leaders who were pandering to people in his demographic young white guys or young uh european men who felt disenfranchised like they'd been left behind like they 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 were behind in life they lost out on something and at the, while they were doing this they they were pointing a finger they were like you were saying about um the jewish uh, grouping the establishment they were pointing the finger at the at, at the jewish community and that's just that's so reminiscent of today where it's like you have talking heads like rush limbaugh or alex jones or glenn beck and and they seem to be pointing a finger at all kinds of other marginalized and minority groups saying that you know that's that's who's kind of keeping you down now that's who's holding you back from from achieving what your father and your grandfather achieved mm -hmm. that convenient narrative yeah to, yeah to explain it all definitely um is, is rush limbaugh the the radio presenter right so, yeah he passed away yeah. Yeah, yeah, like a year ago okay yeah yeah because it's interesting you mentioned him because there was something i was listening to a podcast the other day where they were mentioning kind of well they, it was going through him basically like his his career uh and one of the things that they said was he got this job on fox news where um he kind of ended up saying to the audience don't listen to the media, which is not a new concept, obviously. Don't listen to the media, they're always going to lie to you. But what he then said was, which apparently was maybe one of the first um, examples of this in such a kind of brazen way, is he basically said, signal to the audience, because you can't trust the media, only listen to me. I'm going to interpret all of the information huh. for you and tell you what to think. And that somehow appealed to people and worked at that time. And that they were saying how that kind of sowed the seeds for how Fox News became this kind of interesting. Um, I don't know that this uh, right wing, you know, just uh, I don't know what you would call that, you know, like a, a signal yeah, or something. Right. A, which I have in my head, but I don't know the name for it. Yeah. Like a sounding board, echo chamber. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's yeah. exactly what it is. It's a mouthpiece for the entire party. Right. There you go. Mouthpiece. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that actually, is. I, I don't know if you guys know about GB News. It's really interesting nah. in the UK. So um, they basically have tried to uh, uh, mimic the Fox News model uh, by creating this new news channel called GB News, which has a few basically right-wing British uh, um, celebrities on it. Uh, and it's really fallen flat, and I'm not sure why. Like, there's a few things on it where basically the, the um, I think the funding in it wasn't great, maybe, because they had a lot of issues with their sound at first. But there was also reports that they literally had zero viewers on for a long time on their show and stuff like that. So I, I don't know what's happened, but for some reason, it's just not taken off the ground. And I think it's going to fail soon. You know, I think it was only this year that it came out. Um, I think I think that's awesome. I think it's awesome yeah, that it's going to fail. Right. I mean, because it, 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 we kind of had a signal with Brexit that, you know, maybe this nationalistic view was starting to spread worldwide. And, you know, to me, that's a scary proposition is the countries that we need to start emulating start moving backwards. You know what I mean? As far as healthcare goes, as far as our, our country goes, like, you know, we need to start emulating places like Europe and some of the countries over there with with the way they're doing things. So I, for me personally, the Brexit thing was kind of like, oh, my gosh, is this whole Trump nationalistic crap spreading elsewhere? So, well, I think, honestly, England is 
quite a, I mean, I don't mean this in such an insulting way in general, but like it's basically the US of Europe, I think, honestly, you know, with, with the Brexit thing, that's not a new sentiment, really. It just capitalized on this sentiment at a time when they felt like it was going to benefit them, you know, the, the uh, politicians at the time and stuff. Um, what I mean by that is kind of, there's always been this tension with the EU uh, in terms of basically the UK seeing itself as this, I, th I think honestly what it is, is this, this hangover of imperial, you know, history and being like, we're still amazing when really, you know, it's just with kind of US's lapdog, you know, in that sense. And that, that hurts, you know, as a political identity or a national identity, I should say. Right. So in order to, you know, reestablish ourselves in the world, we have this last ditch attempt to show that we can do it on our own. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure it's going to go very well. It hasn't been going very well so far, but we'll see. <laughs> it's like an arrogance, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I just wanted to, so, so I really feel like, Chance, you're making the comparisons between Nazi Germany and Adolf Hitler's kind of rise to power. And then w when I look at that from a, a reasonable and logical, critical point of view, I see that it's almost like Trump used the blueprint there to to gain power. And it kind of scares me because we still have 2024 coming up and he's still, uh, you know, he's thinking about running again. Like, like, what do we do if he gets reelected and, and what happens with like the conspiracy theories that drove this? Like, like, it's just the thing to me is it's still a real problem. Like a, a lot of people like maybe diagnosing now the Trump presidency and everything that happened, but like, we're not out of the, you know, we're not out of the woodshed yet. Like we, we still have another election to go through and we still have uh, rabid fans across this country, millions of people who hundreds of millions of people who like this guy like it, it's just kind of scary because are we on the verge of seeing history repeat itself or are we on the verge of using hopefully logic and critical thinking and education and our ability to research anything we want to at our fingertips to kind of get out of this i mean i i feel like we got away from it in this last election but like what's next so what conspiracy theories are still driving that towards being a possible reality so what do you guys think? Do you think uh, basically about these becoming so much more popular in the last decade or so? Conspiracy theories? I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. I always go for the simplest solution. Okay. You know, it seems to make sense. That's probably what it is. How do you go about doing that? Like, what's your path to finding news and information? Uh, I, I don't do the Internet. I'm not an Internet guy. Uh, it's kind of like. Uh, you know, I, I guess I read the newspaper, watch some TV, talking to people, what seems to be common sense. I mean, if it seems like it's out there, probably is. I think you hit on something really important where in the last decade, decade and a half, social media has become people's really big source for news and information. And I think that a lot of those, you can find echo chambers where you're just reinforcing your beliefs. Uh, whereas before, you know, everybody just basically had the same news source to come from. Anybody else? I think that's the problem. Social media, you're uh, you're looking on there, you don't know what's true, and that's I think we're all in the same boat now. You, you, we have different opinions because we're reading different things, and nobody knows what the truth is. Right. Yeah. I mean, those outlets are really good at tailoring news and information towards a certain group of people. So, what about you, sir? Yeah, I'm of the belief where it's just really difficult these days because it's just uh, there's so much fake news out there, and I don't think there's a subject matter out there that you know you can't get 15. 15 different news items on the on the same and get to both sides of it. And so I think it's really difficult, which is a shame because I think that's causing problems 
American society today. What, is, what problems would you cite? Well, because you have, you know, the people that believe anything and everything that they say, or they just will just go to a certain site or a certain social media and, hey, if it's on the internet, it must be true, which is bullshit. Um, what, <laughs> what about you, sir? I'll basically search documentaries because I want everything to be proven to me. But I do believe a lot of things that are out there. Uh, but only after I see a lot of people of high authority. Yeah, I mean, I, I think honestly it falls on the left, you know, or the left alternative. Because I'm not saying that it's, you know, the left's fault, but there's a real lack of response. Like, in, you know, to this, this right-wing populist movement in the past six years in the West, you know, in the US and UK specifically, there's just been a lack of um, imagination and creativity from the left, right? I mean, so in the US, for example, we saw Bernie Sanders got a lot of populist support um, and was a real threat, basically, to Donald Trump in, in the 2016 election and also would have been in the, in the 2020 election. But he didn't win because the establishment figures are the ones that are kind of the safe option, right? Understandably. But these are times where there is a real threat where we have to rethink things. And I think on the left, there's a real tendency to like argue within ourselves right or so i say ourselves shouldn't assume but you know like uh, no no i i, I, I agree you know? i was i was i was literally pissed off both both times about bernie sanders like i'm still mm -hmm. pissed off at what the the democratic party did to bernie sanders man but, yeah yes completely crucified him and you know again with the comparison in the uk we had a very similar situation with jeremy corbyn i don't know if you guys know much about him but he was basically the bernie sanders figure in in the uk but he actually ran for prime minister, uh, I think it was two elections running. Um, and he didn't do very well in the elections, but he did really well in terms of popular support for the, in the party. So like party members, they had the highest uh, support, particularly among young people. And that is like, you know, a sleepy um, uh, voter population, right? It's young people. It's really hard to get young people to vote. He did that. And so does Bernie Sanders. And yet the left are kind of just turning a blind eye to that and being like, no, let's just you know use the old blueprint that works. Um, you know, that being said, on the point of, you know, Trump and, and what's coming next and that kind of thing, honestly, I, I don't, this is not going to go away. And I think it's only just started. And I know that sounds really like doomsday, but the truth is the response has to be from the left and it has to be the people who are responsible for the, the understanding these situations like the media and, you know, people like me, political psychologists, getting the message out there, which is basically that like this is genuinely a threat to our society. You know, this is we saw on, on January the 6th, right, the, the, the attempted insurrection and all that kind of stuff. This is a, a real danger. And I hope that those kind of wake up calls will at least, yeah, wake people up in some way to the actual genuine dangers, as opposed to this just being this kind of like fun support thing that they, you know, they like Daddy Trump or whatever for a bit. It's genuinely dangerous to our democracy or Absolutely. your democracy, you know. Um, I wanted to also say that, you know, that part of that is that we can uh, actually teach people uh, how to detect misinformation or conspiracy beliefs by them having ex a small experience with conspiracy beliefs. So there's this line of research basically showing that if you treat misinformation like a vaccine, where you get people to purposefully spread disinformation, uh, it's called the bad news game, and they kind of give you instructions on how to spread disinformation and how to get it more likes and more shares, uh, that will make people more effective at detecting different unrelated misinformation in the future. Um, and the idea there is that you kind of, you know, you get the hang of it, you, of, of detecting what, what this, uh, this stuff is, you know, and how people would capitalize on the sharing and stuff. So hopefully that's a way to out of the, out of the woods as well. But yeah. That's, ex that's an exciting proposition that, uh, you know what I mean? Because it's uh, like uh, during the Trump's first time running in 2016, you would read some of those Facebook posts or you'd see that, like I had family members that share that stuff. And it's just like, 
what is happening? Like, what is this that you're sharing this? First of all, it was like a, like there's one of like a picture of Hillary Clinton dressed as Satan and the other one with like Trump with Jesus over his shoulder. It's like, which one are you going to vote for? And like, you get like, like who, like, like what demographic are you targeting there? Because like your average person is going to look at that and be like, what the hell is wrong with you? But there, there wasn't, there was a huge, like, quiet minority not my a quiet majority i guess you should say in the middle of the country that just like bought into all of that crap and i i just like it's still mind-boggling to me i think there's there's going to be i think that this part of our history is going to be studied just as much as the nazi regime was because we need to understand like what causes people to fall into that group think or feel like they're marginalized and feel like they have to believe all of this crazy crap and that only one person or only one cause can save them from some evil that doesn't even exist. Well, Chris, I think that you kind of touched on that a while ago because you said, why, why is this happening when we have so much information at our fingertips? Well, I think that that's kind of honestly, one of the reasons why this happens is because people have an overabundance of information and the truth is, is floating or shifting amongst all of this nonsense around it. And so, but it's a lot easier to gravitate towards the more sensationalized things, especially if you're not really equipped with critical thinking skills. And I mean, it's, it's really scary. Like what you're saying, like when they, they will glob onto a lot of these really far-fetched ideas that again, take so many variables to be true, but they, I mean, the earth could be on fire and it practically is, and they would still say climate change isn't happening. But they don't even consider that maybe the conspiracy theories that they're being peddled are themselves conspiracy theories. Maybe these organizations just know how to pander to these people and make money off of them by selling them these silly stories, you know. Exactly. It's also, I, I would argue, easier to believe in something that's a concrete and a consistent, right? Which conspiracy theories you can, you can show, um, even though new ones come out and old ones die off, uh, that it's a consistent thread, right? Where science will change its mind as it finds out that it's wrong. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. uh, science will be like, yeah, we don't know. We are actually figuring out that, uh, you know, we thought this was true for a while, but it turns out it's sugar is actually, or fat's actually good for you, and sugar might be the bad thing. Sorry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or we're not yeah, doing yeah. global cooling anymore. We're on to global warming now because, you know, that's the way that's... It's it's, it's just called out. it's called climate change we'll just call it that for people that want to get very specific about it's not warming here okay well you live in alaska sorry that yeah, you don't there's still the snowballs warm. out here i gotta yeah. bring this into congress yeah. i i saw a polar bear <laughs> at the zoo well mikey uh we don't want to keep you i know it's late where you're at so um that's great i've had a really good conversation thank you yeah, yeah thank you where can we uh, keep track of of any any engagements that you might have coming up or any anything that you've got going on yeah, my um my Twitter page is basically word postings. Um, so that's uh, at Biddlepsych. So that's B I D D L E, and then psych as in psychology. Um, and yeah, I've got a few things coming up. I've got a, a talk on Saturday actually on Discord. Uh, if you look at my Twitter. Oh, nice. Basically, just, uh, sorry, not a talk. It's a discussion. Um, with uh, with an Indian journalist. Um, and basically some moderators were talking about uh, misinformation specifically in India and around the world. Um, so yeah, if anyone's interested in tuning into that, I don't think any any listeners will be able to tune into that. It might be a bit too late, but yeah, if you guys are interested, sure. check out my Twitter as well. <laughs> All right, well, I appreciate that again. Awesome. Sweet, yeah, I really uh, had fun. It was a great chat as well. Really yeah, nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you too. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing uh, sharing with us, and uh, congratulations on your doctorate. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. sent something to you, and I can brag them.